Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni with you as usual. And John, we have uh, we have an interesting new lawsuit uh, to talk about uh, today that, that NCLA uh, filed this week. Our colleague uh, Janine Yunus filed a case in the Southern District of Ohio against the Surgeon General of the United States, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, the uh, uh, the two individuals in their official capacities. And this lawsuit has been brought on behalf of three individuals, Mark Changizi, Daniel Kotzen, and Michael Singer. And these three folks have each had their Twitter account, uh, in some cases with tens of thousands of followers. I, I believe one of our clients has had over 100,000 followers on his uh, on his Twitter account. They've, they've all had their Twitter accounts either suspended or in the case of, of that largest account, actually canceled by Twitter. Uh, and the reason uh, for this, the uh, lawsuit alleges, is that Twitter came under pressure from the Surgeon General of the United States and from the uh, Department of Health and Human Services and others in the federal government. Uh, the lawsuit mentions President Biden and Jen Psaki, but does not, uh, does not name either one of them as, as someone who is being sued. Uh, but as a result of this, uh, of this pressure on Twitter to, to censor alleged misinformation, and, and please put that in quotes, because some of the information that we're talking about here is information that the government later admitted was accurate and truthful information. So they have been, they have been banned or suspended on the Twitter platform for sharing truthful information about COVID-19. Uh, that's a problem. And more importantly, what's happening here with the government, even though it's Twitter who is conducting this censorship, our view at NCLA is this is actually state action because there are precedents in the Supreme Court. And, and John, I think probably the central one here is the Bantam Books uh, precedent where you had an example, I believe it was the government of Rhode Island in that case many decades ago, that was exerting pressure on uh, on uh, on Bantam Books, or actually, I'm not sure, John, if, if it was the publisher or the bookstore to not produce or not sell this uh, pornographic uh, material. And even though the government didn't engage in censorship and forbid the sale, it, it, it would let it be known that it didn't want to see this happen. And then it didn't happen. And that was enough from the Supreme Court's perspective that there was a private entity responding to pressure from the government, uh, pressure in favor of censorship, and that was deemed to be a First Amendment violation. That seems like a pretty close analogy uh, to what's happening here uh, with regard to Twitter. That's I think that's I think that's right. It's it's that whole stream of cases whereby the government says, oh, we're not doing it. But, you know, if they want to do it after we've threatened them a number of times with a number of consequences, that's fine. You know. Right. So that's that is a big part of the lawsuit is this First Amendment piece. 
a second part of the lawsuit is uh, is a statutory uh, piece, which is that it's not at all clear that the Surgeon General even has the statutory authority from Congress. And remember, all legislative power inheres in Congress until the Surgeon General or the Department of Health and Human Services is given power by Congress under a statute signed by the president. Those agencies and, and those individuals, even though they're federal employees or federal officers, they don't have any power without that statutory authority. And, and so Mark, yeah, and and Mark, the main thing. So, so the Surgeon General has ter- told these uh, all, all these tech pe- folks to turn over records about people uh, who are providing misinformation by May second. So yeah, that, I'm, for- I'm getting I'm getting to that. There, there's a there's an actual request for information, an RFI is what it's called that that the HH that HHS has put out that the Surgeon General has put out, uh, and they want the names and some private information. When you when you set up a Twitter account, you have to give your your actual email and some other you know, individual private information about you that's not evident to the world from looking at your tweets. And the government wants Twitter to both identify folks who have provided what the government deems to be misinformation and give this private information uh, about them over uh, to to the government, which feels a lot like a, a blacklist. You know, I, I am not now and never have been a, a member of the uh, anti-COVID brigade or something, you know, something like that. If we're uh, if we're hearkening back to uh, to the kind of thing that liberals used to be against in the 1950s with the communist blacklists. But that's that's a lot like what this feels like uh, to me. The. Uh, uh, but the request for information is something that uh, Congress does sometimes give agencies the ability to request information. Now, they may have to abide by the Paperwork Protection Act. There are other statutes that they may have to abide by, but typically they they can request uh, information. Not at all clear, John, that they can request information like this, private information, information that the government doesn't otherwise have a right to information that it would have to produce a warrant and probable cause in order to get this kind of information. And we know this because of a of a re- fairly recent, uh, I think about uh, five years or so ago, maybe, maybe uh, eight years ago or so now, there's a, a case called the uh, City of Los Angeles v. Patel out of the Supreme Court, where the, I believe it was the Los Angeles Police Department was going around to hotels in California or, you know, within the jurisdiction of the police department and asking for lists of the guests staying at that hotel. And they didn't have a warrant and they didn't have probable cause. They just, uh, they, they were just using this as an investigative tactic to, uh, to, to try to, uh, you know, figure out and, and let's stipulate that they were trying to figure out either criminality or some sort of, uh, of behavior that the police had a legitimate interest in, but they didn't have a warrant. They didn't have, a particularized suspicion. They didn't have anything. They were just showing up at the hotels and demanding the lists of guests. And, and eventually someone pushed back and the Supreme Court said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You don't get to just go and ask private entities for lists of information about their customers. That's not the way that this works. So this isn't a police state. The government doesn't have that sort of plenary authority. Well, that's sort of what's happening here, John. I mean, the Surgeon General and HHS are demanding that Twitter turn over customer information and they're doing it without a warrant. They're doing it without any sort of probable cause under the Patel precedent. This feels a lot to me like a Fourth Amendment violation. It's a search of information about individuals uh, without a warrant. And not, so, not only that, 
it's it's a matter of the Surgeon General doesn't have the ability to go around talking to tech firms and telling them to give them stuff. It, it's not even HHS does have abilities to get certain amounts of things from from medical providers and things like that. But but this is just outrageous. It's just like the CDC saying, oh, well, we got all this power whenever there's whenever there's something that bothers us in the health field. That's Funny not what the law mention. says. Funny you should mention the CDC, John. And this is a, this is another agency that's under uh, HHS. And wouldn't you know, the CDC, the HHS in this situation is is citing the exact same statute that it cited to enable a nationwide eviction moratorium, which the Supreme Court eventually, after Justice Kavanaugh got his head screwed on straight, eventually the Supreme Court struck down that nationwide eviction moratorium as unlawful. Uh, but now it's a repeat offender, HHS. Uh, now it's the Surgeon General instead of CDC, but they're using this exact same broadly worded statute to suggest that the uh, that the Surgeon General has the power to demand Twitter and, and other social media platforms. Our clients are, had Twitter accounts, but this, this RFI is broader than just Twitter. It applies to other social media platforms, uh, demanding that they turn over private information about their customers. Well, this this statute has no more to do with that than it has to do with eviction moratoria. It the statute has to do with the ability to, for example, fumigate where there is and where there is some sort of pestilence. It has to do with being able to quarantine people who are sick. Those kinds of things. The statute has nothing to do with with First Amendment protected activity like what you post on your Twitter account. So the fact that 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 HHS is is a recidivist with respect to this broadly worded statute. And not just a recidivist, but it, it barely, I mean, not even a year has gone by since they got slapped down the last time on this uh, broad overreading of, of their statutory authority. And here they're at it again. So I hope, John, that the lower courts will act with more alacrity this time, that, that there will be a little more, uh, that, that they'll step to it more quickly to recognize that the agency is outside the bounds of its statutory authority. They'll remember what happened with the eviction moratorium, uh, and they'll act quickly. In fact, I would, I would posit that that courts may prefer to act on that statutory ground. It's so clear to me that the Surgeon General, at least if there's no other statute that that the Surgeon General is citing, and I, they haven't yet, then I I don't think that the statute that has been cited is is anywhere close to sufficient. Even if there is another statute that could be cited, I think you still have these First and Fourth Amendment problems. That we're talking about, but if there isn't, uh, if there isn't greater statutory authority than than what we're currently aware of, I think a court is going to be. And they haven't mentioned to, any as of yet. They have not. I think a court's going to be inclined to decide this on on statutory grounds, as they often are. They like to avoid the the uh, the, the uh, constitutional questions if they can, as they did in the in the eviction moratorium uh, cases as well. John, as you know well, you were heavily involved in those for NCLA. Uh, the courts tried to avoid the constitutional questions for the most part and decide uh, those cases on statutory grounds as well. But but whether it's a, a statutory uh, decision-based decision or a First Amendment-based decision or a Fourth Amendment-based decision, uh, I would be pleased to see the courts jump into this situation and tell the Supreme Court uh, to stop trying to to intimidate. This This isn't a request for information. This is a request for intimidation on the part of the federal government that they're putting out to Twitter and Facebook and these other social media platforms. And requests for intimidation are not something that the government ought to be in the business of doing or that the Constitution permits the government to be in the business of doing. 
yeah, I don't it's, know. If, it's, go ahead. It's, it's basically a statement, you know, nice platform you have there. Shame if anything were to happen to it. That's exactly right, John, because they've they've threatened antitrust uh, actions against these companies if they don't uh, if they don't do the government's bidding. That's part of what makes this so unlawful. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Administrative Static. And uh, as many of you uh, may know, we have a case which we filed in New Orleans in the Fifth Circuit called Mexican Gulf Company uh, versus Commerce. And this has to do with uh, uh, regulation that requires charter boat fisher fishermen to, um, well, captains. They take people out to fish. They don't do the fishing themselves. And, and uh, they have to put a government um, sponsored uh, or, or required GPS on their boat, and then they have to broadcast their position at all times to the government. And these are small boats that these captains often use for private, you know, just for their own, to go across the bay and have dinner, to go uh, sightseeing, to do stuff on their own with their families. Yet they're going to be tracked by the government at all times. Now, even as charter boat captains, there's no warrant to be followed around while you do your job. That's not in the statute. And it and it's a Fourth Amendment violation at the very minimum. It's a number of other things. But the reason I bring up the Fourth Amendment is that uh, we had asked in pleadings, we had asked the district court to, uh, under the Magnuson-Stevenson Act, there's, you can ask them to expedite decision. And that was denied. And then we moved for an injunction because uh, on March 1st, the regulation was to go into effect, and NOAA, NOAA and Commerce and everyone were going to put it into effect on March 1st to get the spring breakers who were going to go charter. NOAA being the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, for those who have not been following this case. Yes, or don't read Dirk Pitt novels. That's correct. And um, so in any event, so they, um, it was going to go in, into effect on March 1st. And the day before that, that evening, pretty much, that afternoon, the district court came out with her summary judgment uh, order, which was we had moved for summary judgment saying this was uh, unlawful, and the government said, no, it's lawful, and she agreed with the government. But she agreed with the government the day before Mardi Gras. And in, in New Orleans, all the courts are closed on Mardi Gras. It's Tuesday, March 1st. You, you can't file <laughs> anything you can't get into the courthouse the streets are filled with revelers and so everything shuts down and so it went into effect and um we immediately after mardi gras appealed the case and we went up to the fifth circuit and now we have moved for a um, preliminary injunction and in the fifth circuit only on the fourth amendment issues and what we've said here is that you know, this appeal is going to take some time. Our briefs are due uh, May 2nd, and then the government ha gets to respond, and then we get a reply, and then the uh, Fifth Circuit gets to mull it over. 
some of these cases go on a, a year or two years in the in the appellate courts. So if your Fourth Amendment rights are being violated at this time, and we have a lot of other complaints about this regulation, but this one's a constitutional one, and it's pretty clear um, that that should be uh, enjoined. That regulation should be enjoined for that period of time because there's no redress. You, for an injunction, you, you have to say, hey, look, how, how are we going to get redress? So they they have their positions sent to the government all this time. The government has them, stores them, does whatever it wants with them. How, how does anyone get any uh, payback? You can't sue the government over that pretty much. It's a it's a uh, they've got sovereign immunity normally. So so uh, all of these uh, charter boat captains and there's about 15 to 1800 of them in the Gulf. And, and we were granted class action status. So we represent the whole class. Um, they they're all upset about this. You cannot imagine how violative it feels to them that they're where they are and where their fishing holes are and all this are being sent to the government for no reason. Because one of the things that really well and, and tracking you when you're out on your boat with your wife and your kids doing uh, a little yeah. weekend recreational fishing of your own or what have you. Right, exactly. Or or as one guy said, or with your mistress. You know, um, I, I think that I think that um, was, was that Captain in, Obvious tongue in cheek, but you know, <laughs> but nonetheless. But I did I did find it funny. Um, but the 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 point is is that um, you've got a situation where uh, they haven't done anything wrong. There's no finding that they're not doing what they're supposed to do, which is report the fish catch. And they used to do it in you know in some in some places they do it with written logbooks, but the government wants it by an app that everyone had put on their phone. And this part of the regulation went in a long time, and we've got our complaints about what's in the app. But the reporting of the fish that people caught on your boat, they've been doing this and, and where you caught it roughly and all that, that's reported to the government every day, every day when you come back to the dock, twice a day, if you go out in the morning, you go out in the afternoon. And there's no complaint by NOAA or any other regulatory group that these charter boat captains are not doing what they're doing or that there's some sort of uh, falsity in the, um, in, in the reports. So, you know, the, the, the there's criminals, you know, you could have known bank robbers, uh, you have known bank robber gangs, but if you haven't convicted them of anything, you can't attach a, a, a GPS device to them and follow them around. I mean, it, it's very clear carpenter, there's a, the Supreme Court case called Carpenter. You're not allowed to do it. You can't attach. You can't attach this to to a, a man's um, uh, car, even if you could follow that car around. It's just too too intrusive and without any uh, without any just cause. So you just can't go around doing this. But suddenly you go on the seas to go uh, fishing or to go sightseeing or to do anything else, and they can do this because they regulate fish. That just does not. That does not mesh. Now, well, Noah's, Noah's disputing the fact that that these guys use their boats personally. I, I thought that uh, you got one of the clients had emailed you, John, this week with some interesting information about that. Yeah. So so uh, one of the things is, is that and, and, and this is the thing they dispute that these these folks who I've see, seen, I've seen with my own eyes, use these boats for their own personal purposes and and they all do it. They're small boats. They they take it most like six passengers, right? So that is not a big big boat. Um, and and the thing is, so they use it for other purposes on many times when they don't have, particularly when they don't have passengers it's out of season, all of that. But they still they not only have to be tracked, but they also have to call the government every time they leave the dock. 
no matter whether they're going fishing or not. And you have to understand, this is what we call administrative overreach and administrative bloat. The reason NOAA gets to do this is that, is that the government is in charge of all the fish, right? So, so they're allowed to make sure that the, the fish fisheries aren't being depleted. Fine. That's why you have fish. These are like the deer in Sherwood Forest, John. That's why I always say that. I everyone, most people have seen the old, uh, the old Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland, and uh, welcome to Sherwood. And he gets what is what what drives the plot of that, right? He's always hunting the king's deer. And why is that a problem? Because all the deer belong to the king, and he decides who gets to hunt the, the deer, right? And and then he goes after Robin Hood. Well. That's the same here. The, the, uh, from colonial times, the, the fisheries, uh, and there was a big fight about it after the revolution about who gets to fight, who gets to fish off the New England coast. I mean, it's been a big, a big ruckus for a long time about who's going to control what fish, but the government gets, gets to, to do that. That's, that's been our law. But they can't use that hook, if you will, to, um, to then control every aspect of your life. And yet that's what they want to do. You know, I I I, um, I I was thrilled to death. Uh, this Coda uh, won the uh, won the Oscars uh, last week, and uh, that one of the big plot points there is is that Noah puts these people on your boat that they charge you for to watch you to make sure you're doing everything Noah wants you to do. And of course, these the 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 the, the, the onboard monitors in that case are watching these guys, and they. And, and then she calls in to the Coast Guard to have them stopped because they're deaf and they're, they, the hearing person wasn't on the boat that one time. And so they're, they're taken off the water because they're deaf people and maybe they couldn't hear uh, the, the Coast Guard horns or something. So they're the bad guys in that, in that movie. But they're often the bad guys because it's one thing if you're protecting the fishing, but it's another thing if you're then going into the aspects of these people's lives just because they live on the water. Uh, especially charter boat captains, they often go into this after they're retired or after having done something else because of the freedom it provides. And they're choking them off. They're, they're choking them off with more and more regulation and more and more surveillance. And one of the things that we found during this lawsuit, and, and Mark, you brought it up, but, but they, they, they say they don't use it for private purposes ever, they don't put in any any facts about that. They just say we're the government and we say that they don't do that. And, and there's no citation. There's no like Jeff Jones. I've, I, I, I know that they never use it for private purposes or sightseeing or anything like that. There's no statement. There's nothing in the record about it. They just say it to the court. And then the court's allowed to, 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 to take that up. I mean, what what party in the world could just say something in pleadings that has no support, no citation to what could be judicially noticed? Nothing. And yeah. then get themselves believed. It's ridiculous, and it's and it's factually absurd as well. I mean, the, the reason these guys own boats is because they love boats. They love to be on the water. So you think that when they get free time, they don't occasionally use their boat and go on the water? Of course they do. I mean, it's right. it's absurd. They're they're treating these recreational fishermen, John, like they're like they're commercial fishermen. That like 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 they because you maybe maybe not. I I haven't talked to our commercial fishing clients, but. They may not take the boat out for for a pleasure cruise. No, they're, very they're often. usually probably not, right? Yeah, they're usually larger, and it costs a lot to run them and stuff. You want to exactly, be out there, so. but that's not what these charter boats are. These no. are th these are boats that you could definitely take out uh, on your own. And so I think it's you know it's another example of bureaucrats in Washington who aren't on the ground near the facts, near where the stuff is happening, making grand assumptions uh, based on on 
lack of complete knowledge of the situation. And it's it's very typical, but it's very frustrating uh, to see. And there's one other thing that uh, everyone's upset about, which I think they're right to be this huge intrusion into your constitutional rights, but that these the people who go fishing on charter boats take something like 0.2% of all the fish in the Gulf of Mexico that are taken. Um, and and yet this huge intrusion and why for no good purpose. And, and this is something we really should be looking at for all regulations. Sometimes, even when they're allowed to do something, they shouldn't be allowed to do something that has a huge, huge effect to almost no purpose. And I hope the court starts saying that. We'll be back in a bit. <laughs> 